0: Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley. I am the publisher on Women's Agenda and I am here with Editor-in-Chief, Tyler Lambert. Hello, Tyler, How are you? Hello, Ange. I'm good. On the agenda today, a couple of really interesting wins for women. We'll also be discussing the rise of independence. They've risen yet again this week. I know we touched on it last week, but that is still happening, as well as work creep. Thank you for listening. How are you, Tyler?
1: Good, and we're on the home stretch.
0: We are, but everything feels a little bit miserable today. It's a pretty tough news week. It just feels like we've gotten this far to Christmas and I'm just a little bit flat by some of the things from the last couple of days. You know, the story out of Tasmania, which is absolutely heartbreaking and dreadful and horrible. And also, of course, the rising COVID numbers, with um, it felt like was just always going to happen in the lead up to Christmas. So here we are. Another year, I think, that we all just want to see the back of.
1: Yeah, there's an element of that. I mean, I think that it has been just such a horrifying news week and the story out of Tasmania and those poor families and the, the kids that were involved there. It's just absolutely gut-wrenching. I mean, words don't really do that justice at the moment but I am hoping that everyone is kind of easing into a bit of a relaxed mindset at least and having a bit of a break over January because I think you know as you said it has been a really taxing year for for most of us and some people more so than others everyone needs it.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I hope so too, that people can make the time, that people can get the time off work. I saw a stat today saying that the annual leave accumulated by Australians has never been so high. Just during COVID, people obviously just didn't take the leave and didn't take the holidays, and we also know that during COVID, a lot of people kept working while taking on all these additional responsibilities, and a lot of people have just been dealing with the emotional and often physical struggle of the last two years almost now. I hope that people can get that break as well. Let's see what's happening. Okay, so for a win, you shared – a pretty awesome story today about Ash Barty and the comment on our news channel was how she has just been a beacon of light this year. So what has she just won? So
1: she has been crowned the International Tennis Federation's World Champion of the Year, which is probably not overly surprising given how amazing of a year she has had and how many accolades she's picked up. But it is always nice to celebrate Ash Barty. I think she is just an absolute beacon of light at a time when we need it. So, yeah, props to her. I think that it's a nice little win. She said that she was incredibly proud of the achievement. And she said, in true Ashbardi humble fashion, I feel fortunate to play the sport I love for a living, especially in a year that was challenging and unpredictable for so many. I want to thank my team and my family for everything they do and a huge thank you to tennis fans around the world for continuing to support us. And Ash has also had a really lovely year in personal news as well. She was recently got engaged to her fiancé, Gary. Wins all round for Ash Barty and we
0: think that she deserves it. <laughs> Great. Yes, I love it. Thank you, Ash Barty. Thank you for pulling through again, (laughs) once again. It feels like she's always there just when we we need her and she's been there multiple times throughout the past couple of years, particularly. I'd
1: like Ash Barty to like sing me to sleep every night.
0: (laughs) It's getting a little weird, but okay. (laughs) My win, I will share two quick things. The first one being that Caroline Kennedy has appointed US ambassador and it's an appointment that has been described as a huge compliment to Australia, but I'll also note in terms of an appointment that looks like it will be in steady hands with Caroline Kennedy. She's obviously from an incredible family, not that that should be the uh, winning metric for these things, but I think in that regard, it's interesting that she garners so much respect in the... United States, and I think that's important. Uh, She clearly knows how to handle having a big role, media and publicity, and we've got a piece republished from The Conversation that talks to all these things as well. She's noted to be strategic and careful, but also, interestingly, she's done extensive work on women's empowerment in Japan. That was during her stint in Japan, so this will be her stint working in Australia, so maybe we can expect to see a lot of that here as well.
1: Sorry, I was just going to say she was the first U.S female ambassador to go over to Japan as well so I think yeah she did spend a lot of time there I think it's cool I mean maybe I've got a little bit of like the celebrity stardust but I want to meet her
0: Next will be Ivanka Trump in a few years' time. Just, <laughs> just such a respected family, <laughs> yeah. you know. Just will garner so much. Great. Yeah, exactly. She'll do so much for women's empowerment here. Yeah, no, we'll stick with Caroline Kennedy. Forward to her starting in that role. Um, I also wanted to make a note of bell hooks, the activist, cultural critic, the author of thirty books, who died this week. She wrote incredible works across race and feminism and capitalism. And going through some of the tributes this week, I just loved when somebody picked up on her definition of feminism and I thought that I might share that now because I think it's just a really good one. Um, So she wrote, Feminism isn't an identity and it's not whatever you want to be. It's a struggle to end sexist oppression. Anyone can do it. It aims not to benefit solely any specific group of women or any particular race or class of women. It does not privilege women over men. It has the power to transform in a meaningful way all of our lives. So simple. It just sums it up. So thank you for that definition. Thank you for all your work. Thank you for being an incredible person and thinker over the last few decades. Great tributes to her.
1: Yeah. Sad news, but nice to reflect on a very impressive legacy.
0: Okay. So let's get into the rise of the independence. I want to start by noting one particular independent who has already risen. She's in Parliament. Her name is Helen Haynes. As we know, she took over from Cathy McGowan. Cathy McGowan kind of really put so much work into the succession there in Indi, in the seat of Indi. And Helen Haynes was elected at the last election. And Helen Haynes really has done so much to continue on Cathy McGowan's work. And a huge part of what Cathy McGowan is pushing was for an integrity commission in the federal parliament. So Helen Haynes has continued with that work. And as she noted this week, it has been three years, so it's three years to the day this week, since Prime Minister Scott Morrison promised to introduce a federal integrity commission and the government is still yet to deliver one. And isn't it convenient? It's the end of the parliamentary year, uh, Holidays are starting going into election campaign, and we still never got that federal integrity not only that but they're
1: making their colleagues cry over raising the the possibility of one so
0: of course <laughs> yes yes, so here we are and as Helen Haynes says, always seen from the government is an exposure draft that has been roundly criticized following months of consultations that's led to no changes. So thank you, Helen Haynes, for keeping the issue live. And as we know, integrity is at the core of many of the voices of candidates who also mostly happen to be female as well. Tyler, what can you say about the rise of these independents?
1: I think it's just so encouraging. Like, I'm loving watching it. And actually, I think it's really got the government in a bit of a state of flux at the moment. And, I mean, they should just be kind of beside themselves because – Most of these women are actually coming from previously quite safe liberal seats, or they would typically be liberal candidates. And so Josh Frydenberg's claim this week that they're actually a lot of these independents are fronts for Labor is just so out of touch. And he knows that's wrong. And I suspect the rest of the government knows it's wrong. And they just are probably clutching at straws at the moment. But these women, are they're coming out of every area at the moment in every kind of electorate. And one that I think is particularly cool was the announcement of Joe Dyer, who will be running this year in the seat of Boothby. So Joe Dyer, for anyone who doesn't recall, made headlines last year. She was the vocal advocate for the woman who accused former Attorney General Christian Porter of rape. But as I said, yeah, she's announced her candidacy in Boothby, which is currently held by Liberal MP Nicole Flint, but she'll be retiring at the next election. Dyer has said that she's running on a platform around integrity around climate change and effective climate change action um, and also you know the empowerment of women and, and gender equality which is a platform that a lot of these women share and I love that she's also just caused such a ripple you know she's tweeted quite prolifically this week about asking people for funding to you know manage her campaign and I guess her, her kind of point is that she just really wants to shake things up. Look, Madeline, he's wrote a piece for us this week highlighting some of the
0: other independent women that are running. The Dr. Sophie Scamps. I thought was interesting. So she's a GP in Avalon. Who's running against the Liberal MP, Jason Falinski. So it's McKellar. So it's the seat past Zali Steggles. seat. I didn't mind getting rid of
1: Falinski. But yeah, like I think, you know, Mads talked to Sophie Scamps, but we've also got Allegra Spender in Wentworth, who's taking on Dave Sharma. We've got Kylie Tink in North Sydney, Zoe Daniel in Goldstein, Professor Monique Ryan in Kuyong, Georgia Steele and Linda Seymour in Hughes. And look, I think there's just a slew of others. So we we were contacted by um, a rising independent this week called Penny Scott, who is running in Michael McCormack's seat. I think it's really exciting to see. And I think there's a huge wave of momentum behind these independents. I think people really want to see a new kind of face of politics where we're really tired with I guess the standpoints of our two primary parties, particularly fatigued by our government at the moment. It's exciting. We can see how much of an impact these independents can make when they do find themselves in positions of power. You only need to look at someone like Dr. Karen Wentworth who only had a short stint in federal parliament but you know pushed through lots of legislation.
0: And I'm sure she'll be thrilled that you put the name of her seat on her surname. <laughs> that, you- we could call her Dr. Karen Phelps, maybe. <laughs> it's been a long week. Imagine that. Imagine if when you win a seat, you get like to own the seat name. So <laughs> it could be Zali Baringa. Oh, <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, Dr. Phelps. I do know
0: who you are. I might say like one that I'm very excited about because I loved uh, hearing some of Josh Frydenberg's comments this week because he's clearly a little bit nervous about this one, but uh, Monique Ryan running in his seat. Sorry, Professor Monique Ryan. And she's been so upfront and open about the fact that she has zero political experience. But, you know, thank God. Let's bring that in. She's not somebody who's risen up as a career politician. As this piece in The Age notes, she has a 28-page CV. Her day job is looking after sick kids at the Royal Children's Hospital. So maybe we could bring a bit more of that experience in and see how that shakes things up. And um, I can't, I'm not sure if it was Frydenberg or maybe it was Morrison, somebody saying that, you know, this independence thing is just, it's just the, old, the old thing becoming new again, basically referring to, you know, the so-called hung parliaments that we've had in the past. As if like everything that they represent isn't the old thing trying to be new and current. And yeah. anyway, that I really annoyed Freidenberg me. Josh called it, referred to it as a rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. That was a term I was looking for. Rinse and repeat. And what exactly is Josh Frydenberg? What exactly is Peter Dutton? What exactly is Scott Morrison? What, who are these people who've come up the ranks in similar ways have benefited from this idea of mateship are all white men and are leading our government. And here we have, you know, Professor Monique Ryan, somebody with very different experience and Josh Frydenberg has the audacity to say that it's rinse and repeat. Let's move on. We wanted to touch briefly on work creep, and this is in the lead up to the holiday. So, there's a few different research pieces that came out this week, and this was just a little survey of a 1,000 people. It was by the Australian College of Applied Professionals, so you can read into that what you want. But they claim that their research finds that 3 million Australians dislike their boss And that's based on a survey that found, I think, one in three Australian workers said as much. They noted that there's a huge proportion of Australians who are not really particularly keen on returning to the office because they'll have to deal with this boss. One on one, and they've also identified uh, some particularly lacking skills amongst those bosses. And emotional intelligence was high up there, as was communication. So these key soft skills that people are saying their managers and bosses don't have, and it's you know really impacting their ability to work and their desire to return to face to face working. So that's one thing. But the other one that I wanted to look at was this idea of work creep and how that electronic communications, emails, alerts, uh, Slack messages, whatever it is, coming into your life 24-7 and possibly coming into your life more so uh, as we've gone more to remote work and more so-called flexible working and working from home. There seems to be less of an off opportunity. Um, But this survey, which was much bigger than the first survey that I mentioned, which I thought was I, mean, I thought this one was really interesting. It was a survey of 2,200 academics and professionals across 40 Australian universities. And they found that those who did respond to those emails or those alerts, whatever it is, out of offices, were more likely to suffer from psychological distress and poor physical health. So lead research was Dr. Amy Zado from the University of South Australia who discusses how the digitization of work has you know basically skyrocketed the last 2 years it's blurred boundaries it's paved this path for people to be contactable at all hours but their data is showing that that always on mentality has quite serious consequences to your health yeah i think i'm guilty of this are oh, you constantly message me like with you know can you do this can you do that <laughs> <I know. laughs> You're like, yes, yes, you are. Leave me alone. Uh, you thought you were the guilty one for responding. No, you're the guilty one for sending the message. <laughs> I know, it's true. I mean, I do harangue
1: you about no, 45 that's fine. times a day. That's fine. I um, <laughs> but I think I find it very hard to turn off of the night. I find it really hard to just sit there and do something that's relaxing without looking at my phone, without looking at emails or seeing if there's anything on Slack or looking at news stories. And in so many ways, you know, I am so grateful and thankful for the position I'm in and for the flexibility I have with the work that I do, and I think it's given me numerous other benefits to my life and huge pros list, but that sense of not being able to turn off. And it probably is my own headspace as well. I, I uh, It's something I probably need to work on. And I suspect a lot of people do struggle with that. Like I've probably got like that typical kind of type A personality. I like to be in control. I like to be organized. It is quite hard to leave that aside. And, and yeah, I think when you're running a business as well, it's especially difficult. What do you reckon, Ange? Do you find time to actually switch off at all?
0: Well, I mean, I don't really because in between kids and work, I don't really get any time to myself other than like when I exercise or something like I, you know, a couple of hours ago in the middle of the day, I went for a run. That's something that I can do (laughs) Um, probably because I am working at five o'clock in the morning instead. So, I mean, it's in some ways I like working. It's our Business, so there is that sense. It's a bit different, but I'm very mindful of not sending messages to team members at out of office hours or at weird times in the morning. Or at least making people aware that you know I might send stuff at weird times, but that's because I have a funny schedule. I sleep funny. <laughs> um, I work better at certain times of the day, and I just have a weird approach to my life at the moment, given you know what's going on out of, outside of my life. So I've definitely seen some benefits in. The remote work like I'm, I'm definitely somebody who has benefited from that and I think particularly when I th- look at our clients and the people we work with and how it's um transformed our ability possibly to you know speak with more client clients than we previously would have if we'd been expected to meet everyone face to face and I saw in my partner's business meeting people who work in his team rather last week a group of people who had been commuting long distances and working in an office for you know sort of 15 or so years and all of a sudden that changed And their lives have changed as a result. They found an extra, you know, 90 minutes a day. They've started working out. Um, Mark commented on the fact that everybody looked really healthy and really good because they just found a little bit more time to themselves. So I think, you know, this past couple of years has definitely gone two different ways. And sure, you might be a little bit more on, but then you may actually find more flexibility throughout your day that you didn't previously had. And you may also be avoiding commute times and other factors that had been a real issue in the past
1: yeah I think that's probably true
0: you know I, I'm a big advocate of
1: remote working and working flexibly I think it's really the way of the future I think a lot of people struggle to find those pockets of time in that frame of working to do things for themselves like I find it hard to go and have a run or go for a walk or, or and that's my own fault it's not no one else's fault but I think when you get trapped working, you know, in a home office environment or you just, it's easy to kind of get into this cycle of just going and going and going. And I think that that's what people need to adapt more into the learning, how to to kind of create that time for yourself and and making sure that that's a priority.
0: Yeah, maybe having an end time. I mean, it's, it's maybe, maybe that's one thing. There's definitely clear boundaries when you have a physical place to go. And there's a clear end time because maybe there's, you know, a point that you clearly need to be home by or last bus or last train or whatever. And so I think that there's definitely a bit of that that people, and especially if they didn't have much on, and, you know, during lockdowns a lot of people didn't have much on, obviously couldn't be doing much, so they just ended up working instead. Um, but, I mean, hopefully, you know, going over this period, maybe that'll shift as people are, you know, finding back more of those social opportunities, kind of getting out more with family and friends. Um We'll see. But then, you know, maybe in two weeks' time, we'll be back for another big lockdown. So I don't know. (laughs) No, uh, don't. It's like how we talk about all the, you know, the ins and outs of the return to the office and what it's going to be like and what's going to change, and then you get there. (laughs) And then a few months later, you're back to lockdown. So, yeah. So speaking of a couple of months and the year 2022, Let's cross to our segment, our FinHack segment, uh, which is supported by Superhero. Our FinHack segment is, like I said, supported by Superhero, which is the app that makes investing accessible and affordable for everyone. Thank you, Superhero, for bringing us this week's FinHack and thank you for supporting the podcast as well. The FinHack this week is based on a piece that Jesse Two has written for us and it's all about the new year and it's all about how to declutter your finances ahead of the new year. So I feel like Jesse was possibly a little bit ambitious because the new year isn't that far away and I think like the last thing people feel like doing right now is decluttering their finances. But you don't have to do it between now and the thirty first, but that's a good goal to aim for. It could be a news resolution to get organized to declutter your finances. I I mean,
1: some of these things are pretty easy to actually implement. And yes, while you might not be able to do the full list, I think there are some things on there that are really important to do. I mean, we've spoken a little bit on this podcast before about consolidating your super and that process is incredibly easy. Just jumping onto the ATO, looking at what accounts you've got and really kind of bringing them all into one space. I think everyone should aim to do that. Another one that I thought was good, which I realized I needed to take Jesse's advice the other day, was in cancelling subscriptions and streaming services that you don't need because I realized that I am subscribed to every single streaming service and I probably watch one of them. So that's another thing I think that these things can quickly add up. What were your
0: biggest takeaways from that piece, Ange? The subscriptions thing is definitely a good one to look into. Also, like the apps that you're subscribed to. So I know that she didn't have this on this list, but this is in the subscriptions kind of ballpark. But uh, look into your phone, look at what apps, because you know how you suddenly just get, you know, you charged for the next month or the next year or something. So look at those apps and see what you can cancel, what you're no longer using. To check that your super fund is actually working for you, that maybe it aligns with your values, that it highlights what you're interested in, if there is a good green fund to actually consider looking into investment options what might be possible for you to check that you're not getting ripped off by electricity and gas provider and I can suggest that if you haven't checked this in the past couple of years you definitely are getting ripped off by electricity and gas provider so maybe check that uh, to look at your bank and credit card fees and you know we know that's not the most exciting thing to do but have a look through those statements write a budget create a debt payment plan if you do have debts write that plan that can come into your budget as well. I think that's a great one. Combine your insurance policies, automate your bills and final one, awesome one, Jesse, get rid of physical possessions you no longer need. And as she put, those sound a little bit unrelated, but by completing that cleanup of things you don't need, you'll become more mindful of what you do spend your money on and what you actually value. You may also be able to sell off some of that stuff as well and get some extra cash in. So, and the big benefit there is that, you know, you, a clear space means that you have the headspace to keep your finances in check. And you have a clear space to
1: go buy new
0: stuff. You do.
1: <laughs> Who doesn't like <laughs> new stuff?
0: <laughs> I don't know that that's fitting with the spirit of this segment, Tala, or fitting with the spirit <laughs> to you know, stop spending on stuff you don't need that ends up buried in the ground as landfill. Good reminder for Christmas Make as well. room for the Boxing Day sale, <laughs> says Tala. <laughs> all right thank you again to superhero for supporting us in that segment and for supporting the podcast as well you can learn, learn more about your options at superhero.com.au and you can also download the superhero app right, we at that time of the podcast where i say what have you been watching listening reading and no, you come up with a terrible oh, suggestion <laughs> As I said to you a number of weeks ago
1: because <laughs> this has been going on for a number of weeks already, all I do in December and November, potentially a little bit of October,
0: is uh, watch shitty Christmas movies. Yeah, and there's movies. lots of Christmas movies. I love I've them. not watched one. I
1: had my niece and my nephews and my toddler, obviously, at my house last night and we had a Christmas movie situation. It was all very festive. We watched Elf, all of them fell asleep on the couch. It's exactly what I like about this time of year. Great. Okay. All right. Well. You're listening to me
0: thinking that is my idea of hell. <laughs> no. uh, the sex lives of college girls is my recommendation. I'm watching on binge. I think I stumbled upon it accidentally when I was watching oh some other show that I won't mention. Uh <laughs> A certain show that sent the uh, stock price of Peloton plummeting recently. I know. This has really made me sad
1: because I've just watched, well, I've watched the first two episodes of And Just Like That um, and I was really enjoying it and I thought it was really good and now these allegations against Chris Noth have come out today Uh-oh. and it's made me not want to touch it with a barge pole. Yeah,
0: that's, that's um, yeah. Yeah, wow, way to put like a total like dampener on this. Like, I know. Final well, it's statement. true though. Just really <laughs> anything good yeah. gets ruined. Hey, so yeah. But anyway, I was not actually going to recommend, and just like that. Although I have watched it, but I want to recommend the Sex Lives of College Girls. It is so good. It is about roommates in college who kind of come together from very different places, and they many different. Uh, Issues going on and that is exactly what I was going to go. (laughs) Um, Really nice, uh, just uh, beautiful characters and uh, great, uh, you know, diverse mix of uh women as well and all coming at this from different angles different backgrounds and just really really funny and also just like kind of pointing to different issues going on right now that or that have been going on over the past couple of years that just really rate a mention and really rate you know having a getting young women to have their say on and that's exactly what you get in that show so go and check it out i dare suggest it is like a 100 times better and just like that probably better than sex in the city and better than girls it's getting compared to to girls as a series as well so that is a nice one to have over the holiday season thank you for listening to the women's agenda podcast a reminder that all the stories that you did here can be accessed on our website where you can also subscribe to our daily newsletter we'll be back next week for one final episode for 2021 before getting straight into the next year thank you for listening